Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Uh, if you missed our conversation with uh, Hennepin County Sheriff DeWanna Witt, that podcast, uh, soon to be up, if not up already? Uh, up already, just up moments already. ago. I asked her about the homeless encampments that we've heard about, that many people have seen over the last several years, excuse me, and she said they're unsafe, which is why I don't think anybody wants to just kick homeless people out onto the streets. We want shelters for these folks, and... Our religious community is stepping up in that regard. Uh, tiny homes are hoping to solve the huge problem of homelessness in Minnesota. They're called sacred settlements, and a new law lets Minnesota churches put them on their property. So what are they? Let's find out. Joining us now on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline is um, Rose Larson, who is a inter- intentional neighbor at one of these sacred settlements. Rose, thank you so much for the time. I'll ask you first, what does it mean being an intentional neighbor, and what are these settlements? Yeah, hi, Adam. Thanks for asking. Um, Yeah, it's such a joy to be a part of. So uh, being an intentional neighbor means that I am someone who's never experienced homelessness myself, but I have a desire to be a good neighbor and a desire to come alongside people who have experienced homelessness. And um, and so we create these tiny home communities called Sacred Settlements on Church Faith Land, and invite people who have experienced homelessness, specifically chronic homelessness, more more than a year of being on the streets, into their own home where they can lock their door, where they can be a part of a community. And that's the distinct, unique thing about sacred settlements is um, they really have um, intentional people in their lives who uh, hear their stories, get to experience the joy and the love and uh, delight of getting to know them and being family for a lot of our folks who have been homeless have lost family. So we get to be family together. Do you know how many of these uh, settlements there are of, in the Twin Cities and beyond in the state of Minnesota? And how, how many more other churches uh, are willing to do something like this? Yeah, great question. So there are two sacred settlements that have started in Minnesota. I live in the first one and in St. Paul and then the second one's in Roseville. There are many churches interested in this model and are explore, exploring and praying about how they can love their neighbors by having a community like this on their land. And then um, Settled is modeled after a community in Texas, Austin, Texas, called Community First Village that has um, hundreds of these kinds of homes. And um, and the they have intentional neighbors called missionals there, people who haven't experienced homelessness like myself. Um, 10% of their people are intentional neighbors, and 90% are people who have come out of homelessness and are thriving in this beautiful community. And there are many other communities like this starting around the country. Um, a lot of them formed after Community First Village in Austin, Texas. So that's where a lot of our research came from as well. So can, can you just kind of walk me through these homes? Uh, who builds them? And then what, what, what kind of, how are they structured? And, and then how do these folks uh, find, uh, the, how do these folks come to have one of these homes? What kind of application process? Or how do, they, how do you get the people that are living there uh, to them? Yeah, great question. Um, so, um, we have a beautiful gift of having different churches 
sponsor the build of each tiny home. And so in the community I live in, there are six homes, and each home was sponsored by a different church community that built that home of a different denomination. So it's bringing quite un- quite a lot of unity amongst different denominations of the Christian faith, and that's really fun. Um, and so so the, the money is, is given for the build of a tiny home, and then volunteers build the tiny homes and create them into beautiful homes. Um, and and then the church, uh, there are many churches that are open to sharing their land because a lot of times churches are resource rich and resource in the networks of the people in their congregations and then have land that's underutilized. It's, it's sitting there, it's used maybe once or twice a week, but we want to utilize it 24 hours a day, every day um, for the sake of our neighbors, for the sake of loving people like God loves them. And so... Um, and so that's kind of the, the model of it. And then we have an outreach where we go into tent encampments um, with Walking with a Purpose, a man named Todd Feske, who started this over nine years ago um, and has built relationships with people on the streets face-to-face. Once or twice a week, he sees them giving food and clothes and, and getting to know people's stories and names. And then that's how that's most of, of how people end up in these sacred settlements in our communities is through relationships and um, and seeing who would want to be a part of these communities from our unsheltered neighbors and um, and who is ready to enter into community. And um, a lot of our neighbors are, have been hearing about these communities for years in anticipation for the, the start of these communities. So our, our unsheltered neighbors and friends are excited about this model, and we hear that over and over again. So that's pretty exciting. Um, and it's, it's, a, it's a new process here, so we're learning and growing as we go. The people uh, who live there, what kind of responsibilities uh, do they have in order to stay there and keep staying there? Yeah, so we all sign a covenant. Um, and the expectations, it's very low barrier. We don't want people, um, people who have been uh, living in homelessness have a lot of trauma and a lot of challenges that they have faced. And so we want it to be low barrier. So um, the main rules that we have are following, um, you know, following legal laws, um, paying rent every month and um, and being a good neighbor, seeking to to be um, thoughtful and kind and and following just regular rules that any of us would like to have in a community. And some of our, our neighbors who have been homeless helps create that covenant that we all sign. Um, and then there are job opportunities around the church and at a workshop where they can basically earn money off of their rent. Um, we believe that paying rent gives people dignity and, and value that they get to contribute and they get, they get to pay rent for their home. And so, um, but we, we don't want there to be barriers financially for our neighbors. And so, um, so we provide work opportunities and, and hear their dreams and hopes and come alongside them in some of their entrepreneurial ideas and business ideas. And, um, and that's been also really fun to see. And that, that, that money goes towards their daily expenses and goes towards their rent. We are talking to Rose Larson. She's an intentional neighbor at one of these sacred settlements that allows uh, homeless people to uh, live in a tiny home, basically on a, on a church property. Uh, it takes a special kind of person, Rose, uh, to uh, live there, and be a volunteer there to help these folks. Why do you do that? Oh, um, Adam, it is a joy. I can't tell you. Um, I, I do it partially because um, because of Jesus' heart of love for people who, all people, no matter who they are or their background. So I feel that heart. I feel God's heart for people, and I see them as my brothers and sisters. Um, but it is it is truly a blessing back to me. Um, I learn from my neighbors so much. We have so much play and fun 
and joy and life. Um, and it's such a, a beautiful community to be a part of that is um, a very unique um, a unique thing to, to actually be deeply invested in people's lives and have people invested in your life. So, um, so I do it because it's a joy and, um, and because it's, it's a, a blessing to me. Yeah. And a blessing to our neighbors, and, our un, unseen and forgotten neighbors. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for what you're doing. And uh, thank you so much for sharing that story today. And uh, I hope this becomes extremely successful and there are other churches and other places uh, not necessarily churches, other areas that that do this for their fellow human beings. It's remarkable, and uh, thank you so much for what you're doing. Oh, thank you. Thanks for being a part of it. Rose Larson, Intentional Neighbor with Sacred Settlement. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.